Okay, so Abraham, pandemic, endemic, heard, not heard. This article um, is about this. Prime Minister Tansri Muhyiddin Yassin is confident that Malaysia's target to achieve herd immunity as projected by the National Recovery Plan can be completed as scheduled. But on the flip side, KJ says he's abandoned the idea of herd immunity. So we've got two key Malaysian personnel here fighting this pandemic with two opposing views or rather maybe different views should we say what's going on here i think we have to be clear on how to end this pandemic a lot of scientists including propadiva including dr jamila tansi jamila has uh, come to the conclusion that this will be an endemic it's just that we're waiting for the official confirmation from the uh, government to say so in singapore they've already said that this will be an, an endemic the high expectations of this will be an endemic and therefore uh, it's not going away so because of it not going away the question now is will we achieve herd immunity by taking 80% by the, the allowing up to 80% of the adults to take uh, the vaccine i think that even if 80% of all adults in this country takes the vaccine it's still not enough to prevent it from spreading remember the only vaccine that we've managed to eradicate from this uh, planet is uh, smallpox and i don't mm. think this uh, you know covid-19 will be that won't it is not smallpox already we've seen variations of uh, the delta variant yep. going through across the country so yeah this is not going away the new normal is uh, us wearing masks maintaining uh, social distancing and if we have had the vaccine it's not an assurance that we will never get covid-19 it's just that knowledge of us knowing that if we do get covid-19 it's not going to be as damaging as if we weren't taking the vaccine so we would not probably end up in an icu be intubated stage 4 stage 5 of covid but if we do get a vaccine we might still get covid-19 and that is the way forward i don't see this as uh, being eradicated so to speak yeah. so yes i agree with what tairi jamaldin says uh, that we're walking away from the whole idea of herd immunity but at the same time it should not stop us from going with the vaccination programs altogether okay so maybe we could sort of like talk a little bit about what this means for us as malaysians like you know sort of are we doomed to live our lives sort of with this as in dengue or or the flu i mean like is that what yeah. we're looking at okay so uh, i normally spend my weekends um at the mall uh, largely because it's air conditioned it's outdoors uh, you know i can chuck my kids at the cinema while i do something else with my wife you know those kind of memories are uh, that just that that they're just nostalgic yeah. memories that is going to be you know kept in the annals of history uh, we're going to do things differently i can't go to the park and frolic with my friends i can't do that anymore right and i won't be able to do that anytime soon and what's worse is that i don't know if i can i am able to do that in the future this is the new normal there was a time when people don't wash their hands and just eat and then uh, suddenly it's now normal in fact expected to do so you just expected to wash your hands and eat that's the that's the old normal uh, but this is the new normal yeah so mm. we have to live with dengue Gosh, but that's yeah. how it is and and that's how it will be Okay, on this piece, the government's looking into easing restrictions for individuals who've completed their COVID-19 vaccination regime, including allowing them to travel interstate. So, Ibrahim, how viable is this idea to allow for restrictions to be list- lifted for those who are like fully vaccinated? I think the government is working on e-passport, vaccine passports. I think a lot of uh, governments around the world, not just Malaysia, are trying to figure out yeah. what, a way for us to have a proper documented material for us to show to the authorities that we've taken it we mm. haven't landed on a particular method uh, and of course while you will be reading a lot of news on the government moving on this direction or that the m- most important thing right now is that there's no confirmed way 
of knowing that you have had the vaccine unless you use the MySejahtera app. So for now, that's the only viable method to work with. And now, of course, MySejahtera isn't foolproof. Plenty of user problems uh, have been raised. Uh, if you just go to any social media sites, you're going to realize that MySejahtera isn't the perfect app that everybody envisions it to be. But at the same time, we are also cognizant on the fact that there's no other better method to show people that we have been vaccinated. So, you know, the only way forward is the MySejahtera app for now. So what steps can enforcement take to know like who's been fully vaccinated who hasn't let's look at the numbers to date about 14 million adults have registered to be vaccinated over 2 million malaysians have taken at least one dose over 4 million doses have been administered we're looking at 100,000 doses of vaccines being administered per day that's not enough not nearly enough in fact because mm-hmm. if you take 23 million adult malaysians and everyone has to take two doses we're looking at 46 million doses that needs to be administered at 100,000 a day, we're looking at over 450 days, meaning that that's more than one year. Mm. So I don't know where this whole optimism of all of us going to be uh, achieving herd immunity by end of this year. The numbers just don't add up. And, you know, a lot of uh, credit has to be given to the coordinating minister of COVID-19 vaccination, KJ, but he talks in the future tense. He's like, oh, we're uh, going to achieve 200,000 by end of this month or 300,000 by end of next month or 400,000, always in the future tense. I would like to be grounded a bit and talk about what's happening today. Mm. We have barely broken that 150,000 doses of vaccine administered per day. Barely, right? Over the past 30 days, only four or five days that we've reached that uh, barrier. And because mm. of this whole unrealistic notion of, you know, we're going to achieve 300,000 a day by end of July, uh, I wish them be- all the best, but I can't see it happening. Hey, Abraham, this one's about compound notices. So uh, e-hailing driver in Kota Kinabalu was fined 5,000 ringgit by the police for transporting an essential worker across districts. So, you know, e-hailing and logistics were given the ability to cross districts. But why was this driver hit? with a 5k fine i don't know if you think about it there's a lot of news like this uh grass cutter claims trial for claiming that he removes his mask to breathe and he was also fine the burger seller that was fine correct right outside his home or something right that one yeah outside his home yeah. uh so you know we can we can cherry pick or we can just choose whatever uh, news we want when it comes to people being fined exorbitant fees Mm. Uh, the moral of the story is why are the authorities finding these people? Has it stopped folks from, you know, moving about or, or scaring them, you know, out of their wits so that they comply with the MCO? There is no evidence, by the way, to show uh, that people have modulated their behavior because uh, of these uh, fines being uh, dished out. Mm-hmm. So my question to the authorities has and always will be, why are you doing the things you are doing? Because if you are fining a e-hailing driver 5,000 ringgit, is that e-hailing driver going to stop driving tomorrow? My suspicion is he won't or she won't. Because the reason why he's driving or she's driving the car is not because out of fun <laughs> or hobby. It's yeah. because he or he wants to earn, even if it means being fined 5,000 ringgit. So this whole idea of uh, doing something because the government tells you to do so, it just doesn't fly. I mm. think people will still do whatever they do uh, because they have to. The mm. grass cutter story, it's not out of uh, willingness that he wants to grass cut grass. Yeah, It's a job and that's why he's doing it. But um, okay, I want to ask you guys this. 
Mm. What do you do when you see your neighbor calling all types of handyman uh, to their homes? Uh, you know, the plumber, the electrician. Do you, do you I'm that person. Something? I'm that yeah. person. So yeah. I had to have that happen because I've got a burst pipe in my wall and and also my ceiling. I mean, what can you do? Time. Life happened, right? Yeah. Exactly. So that's the point that I want to go back earlier. You can't stop life from happening. Mm. That whole idea of us managing the crisis mm. cannot be discussed in under one breath with the way we need to manage the economy. The reason why we call the handyman over to your house or our house mm. is not because we enjoy the electrician's uh, company or the. It's not because he's handsome. Because I'm telling you, he's not. <laughs> uh, yeah, and also <laughs> he turns up at our home. You think he doesn't know the risk? He knows the risk fully, yeah. but yet he still turns up at our homes. Why? Because he wants to earn. Yeah, and we have to get things fixed. DAP Secretary General Lim Guan Eng has said that he's still waiting for Azizan Harun's reply ten days after writing the day one Rakyat speaker on the opposition's exclusion from a committee to plan the reconvening of a hybrid parliament, a combination of online and physical tenants. Now, Ibrahim, legally, can one party be excluded from being represented in a parliament committee? Yeah, I'm going to admit that I don't know what the legal aspect of this is, and perhaps uh, you know the Speaker of the House, Adharun, would probably have his own reasons for this. Uh, but the story of why a committee uh, is created, the whole spirit of it, is because we want to get voices from different caucuses. Uh, that exists within mm. that body. So, yeah. if a committee is to be created for the parliament or the reconvening of a hybrid parliament, quote unquote, uh, the proper way to do it is to get a representative from these respective caucuses. If it's true what Guan Eng says, in the sense that the committee is excluding the opposition from being part mm. of the committee, then why have that committee? Why not just say, you know, we're deciding it to be in this direction and we're going this way, uh, and you have to live with it. I think that whole idea of, you know, just putting an extra layer on just saying that it is committee but not including everybody defeats our whole purpose. And we're all adults; we can see what they're doing, and we're going to call them out. And that's what we're doing now. Yeah, but it's really um, yeah. it's going, going back to like like the the sandbox and the I don't friend you. It's like I don't think we're at that level. I think we're planning for the benefit of the whole country. Why are we being so petty? At some point, yeah, we are being petty, but uh, you know, look, you know, if you want to be dictatorial about the whole thing, you want to be authoritarian, authoritarian, go ahead. But just go don't ahead, try. Because and, no yeah. ah, don't try. Don't try to be friendly, but you're not. I think that's the that's the part that 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 is hitting me the most. Remember, the Speaker of the House does have a very powerful role, and he can actually. You know, convene or not convene. He's a convener, quite literally. So do it, right? Mm. Exercise your power. But if you want to play, uh, extend, uh, you know, an olive uh, uh, leaf branch, or yeah. branch. Sorry, yeah. Uh, but only to one side. Uh, I think that's just strange behavior. Yeah.